Thank you for having me. It's great to have Resound and New Life here. Who has heard of Hope Into Action? Wow, brilliant. Who could do a talk on it and explain exactly how it works? So you kind of know a little bit about it. Who's never heard of it? Wonderful, fantastic. I'm just going to share a little bit about what Hope Into Action is, and I'm going to tell lots of stories. Jesus told a lot of stories. We remember stories. I often don't remember sermons, but I remember stories. So hopefully this will give you a flavour of what Hope Into Action is. So in its very simplest terms, Hope Into Action enables churches to house the homeless. So part of my role is to enable the church to enable you to house the homeless. Okay, so what is Hope Into Action and how did it start? They've slightly changed that vision to for every church to lovingly make a home for the homeless. So their vision is one church, one house. So how does it start? There's a guy called Ed Walker. He was in a park one day with his kids and there was a guy sat on the bench. He'd just come out of prison and he was there drinking alcohol and Ed started to chat to this guy and he had nowhere to live. So Ed thought, oh, no worries, I'll ring up the hostels, I'll get him in, blah, blah, blah. He couldn't get him anywhere to live. And Ed looked around the park and there were a number of churches around the park and he was thinking, what is the church doing to house the homeless? So him and his wife, they put their savings, they lived up in Peterborough, (laughs) house prices in Peterborough, are a lot cheaper than house prices in Bristol. I think they invested, I can't remember, something like 30,000. Okay, so they invested their savings and bought a property in Peterborough and um, that's how Hope Into Action started with one man and his wife and their savings. Instead of making the bankers rich, they put their money into property. Now Hope Into Action has over 100 houses in the UK. And that's how it started. So, if you go to the next slide, thank you. So, I'm a very visual learner, so I thought I'd do a little chart for you, a little flow chart. So, it starts with the church. So, New Life has expressed an interest of we'd like to explore this further. How can we make a difference? Homelessness, we can all see it. It's on our streets in Bristol. What can the church do? So, it starts with the church with a passion to house the homeless. And it starts with actually, who do you want to support? I, I work with a church and a house in Porter's Head. They are supporting ex-offenders. So it's up to the church to decide, who do we have a heart for? Is it women fleeing domestic violence? Is it asylum seekers, refugees, men coming out of prison? Or just ge- generally people who, who need a home? Um, then we find investors. So this is where the financial bit comes in. So either the investors can come from the church. So it may be that there are people in your church. So kind of the, the, the whole model. Say you've got a church and then we've all got money, say, in our ISAs, in our savings accounts, 
we're making the bankers rich. And what this model does, it says, why don't you invest your money into hope into action, into a property for a minimum of five years? If you want a return on your investment, you can get up to 2% return on your money. So it's not giving, it's lending. And if you want interest, you can have up to 2%. But if you don't, that's great. Um, and the house is leased to hope into action for a minimum of five years. If you then want to take your money out after five years, you can. So it's a wonderful model of actually how can the church share finances to really make a difference to someone's life or the investors can come from somewhere else in the country so we've had a phone call from investors in another part of the country saying we've got investors who want to invest in Bristol do you have any houses ready so there is money um, but it's also great if the church wants to invest as well so financial investors then um, usually hope interaction would then find a three-bedroom property within walking distance of the church. Property found. Um, F and S stands for friendship and support. I, I, I will go into that a bit later. Um, so the property found, it's bought. Kathy, my line manager, she deals with all the finance or the housing. That's not my area at all. <laughs> I would have no idea how to buy a house. <laughs> so Kathy does all that. Um, and the friendship and support group from the church would turn that house into a home. So it might need redecorating, um, new furniture or secondhand furniture. Um, and and the, the church would take responsibility for that to make it from a house to a home. And that's what I love about Hope Into Action. It is a home it's not just a hostel, it's not just a room, it's, it's a home. Uh, the friendship and support team are trained, so part of my role as the empowerment worker is um, to train up people who want to support the people in the houses. So there's training, it's, it's, it's a model that works and is safe. Um, empowerment worker, that's myself, um, finds referrals, so... I'll probably be finding referrals probably from step one. Um, but that's part of my role as well, is to find people who would live in those houses. And the assessment referral process is very thorough. We're not just going to chuck any high-risk person in there. They're kind of vetted and their, their risk is assessed. And then the tenant moves in and the support begins so that's a very simple um, thing of kind of the kind of timeline. So maybe you guys are right at the beginning with a passion to house the homeless, and that's where you are, and that's fantastic, and that's where the journey starts. So we go to the next slide. So um, each church provides. I mean, I think our, our guys have probably got about... We've probably got about 15 in our friendship and support group in Porter's Head. Um, you can have, you know, maybe a, a minimum of six. And this is the group of people that we train up to support the tenants. Um, 
and there are different roles within this group. So you could be a part of the house team where you help set up the home. You might think, oh, I love painting or I've got a good eye for buying furniture. You might want to be involved in that, in that group. You might want to do a bit of gardening or when things go wrong in the house, be part of the maintenance team. Or you can be part of the befriending and tenant support where you are walking alongside and basically being friends with the tenants. So we usually um, allocate two befrienders per tenant. Um, and that could be taking them for coffee, going for walks, finding stuff that they love, and just being a friend, being on the end of a, a phone if, if things are hard. Um, and then the prayer team, that's a very key part of it, praying for the whole process, praying for tenants, praying for um, the church, for the empowerment worker, just praying for the whole process. So if you do move forward with this um, and you want to be part of the friendship and support group, there's lots of different roles that you can be involved in. Okay, next slide. So I'm something called an, an empowerment worker and um, so usually, usually one empowerment worker oversees the, the church and the house. So I, in its very simplest form, I have two main roles. I find referrals and I provide the professional support for the tenants. So we've got a house in Porter's Heads. So we've got one tenant moved in in October and we've got another tenant moving in in, in a couple of weeks. And so I work with them. Um, I support them in terms of benefits and personal development plans. If they're struggling, I, I kind of help them engage with professional services. Um, yeah, all sorts of stuff. And then I would train and support the friendship and support group. So I meet with the guys in Portishead once a fortnight and we meet, and we do a bit of training, and we build team, and we get to know each other. They ask me lots of questions about boundaries, which is the biggest question always. And yes, yeah, so I'm working with them to enable them to house the homeless. So that's, that's the vision. So that's me, right next. Oh, I'm employed by Hope Into Action. So there's, I don't know how many impact workers around the country, maybe I don't know. 80, 100 or something like that. Um, okay, next slide. Oh, a video. So we have a video of a guy called Rob who is, uh, probably was in a house, Hope Into Action house in Peterborough. So this will give you a kind of flavour of um, his experience of living in a Hope Into Action house. My journey really starts from childhood. I had to wait to my 16th birthday before I could sign up for the army. Yeah, it was excellent. I did things I'd never thought I'd be able to, and you know, visited places I'd never thought I'd be able to. But uh, along with all that brilliantness was two tours in Northern Ireland. And I had to take somebody's life on the second tour. And it, um, well, it screwed me up. It was there in my head 24-7. And the enormity of that, you know, wow, it's 
it, you know, it can break you. Came out of the army, I couldn't settle back into civilian life. And I drifted into the drug scene, in and out of rehabs, uh, in and out of prison through criminal activity to fund my drug addiction. And um, that was it for about the next 30, 35 years. I hit rock bottom this last time and I was walking by a um, local Baptist church one day and I started talking to people that were in the congregation. They suggested that I talk to Ed Walker. So he told me about Hope Into Action and set the ball rolling for me, really. It opened new horizons for me because I had my own bedroom, my own living room that I could call mine. Because of the love and support I was feeling and getting, it changed the dynamic. It turned it from a house into home. In a way, that's one of the things I've been looking for all my life. Somewhere to call home. My peer mentor, David, he was somebody I could talk to. And I could talk about absolutely anything without being judged. Now I have a friendship with him. He's not my peer mentor anymore. He's a friend. Throughout my journey, I've lost my home. I lost my wife. I lost my children, I lost my life. And now I've got a home, I have a new partner, we have children, everything I've lost, God is giving me back. Thank God for HIA because they believe it's their God-given purpose to help the homeless. I'm not going to argue with that. Wonderful story. When he talks about a peer mentor, he was, um, that's what I think what they used to be called, but that would be someone from a friendship and support group. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of my story and kind of talk about the, the two really. Um, in 2021, I had a, a very... Um, I had a season of, of huge loss. Um, my father suddenly passed away. Um, I had some health health problems, so I had to leave my job. I was burnt out. Um, and because I lost my job, I then lost my home. Um, what sort of thing? Yes, so home, job, health, and my dad. And, and it was a very hard time it was a very intense time it was during covid and lockdown and one of the things i think that kind of saved me was i had a safety net of support um my mum lives in bristol i went to then live with my mum and i had a year of rest i had to take a year off just to for my mental health for my physical health just to help me kind of get back on on track and it took a long time <laughs> sometimes I think oh I'll be back back working four weeks it took a year it took a bit but over a year before I was, I was back in work and I had to have 
professional help, so I had to go on increase my antidepressants, go on anti-anxiety meds, and it was quite a dark season. But what I want to kind of get across is actually... So I, that, that could have been a season where I really fell, but because I had the safety net of somewhere to live and I had a network of friends to support me, I was caught. So I didn't go really, really low. Rob, as we heard from his story he didn't have that safety net so when he fell he really fell he didn't have anyone or anyone to kind of stop him falling too low and he I mean he was in that prison and in that drug addiction for years like th- about 30 years I think he said and that's a long time amazingly he's still alive um so if we just go to the next slide I've just got a couple of questions if you're comfortable with talking just to the person next to you one, what does your safety net look like? When life is really hard, what have you got in place to catch you? Some of you might have quite a lot. Some of you might not have much of a safety net. Um, and also, what would life have looked like without those safety nets? Does that make sense? Just to kind of help us think, actually, because we, we all have hard times. <laughs> life is really hard sometimes. Um, sometimes harder for others um, in the church, out, out of the church life hits us unexpectedly at times and it knocks us for six so we're going to have kind of a few minutes you don't have to talk to the person next to you but if you feel comfortable it's just quite helpful to think through these things who's um, maybe shout out things that what does your safety net look like what kind of things do you have that stop you falling want to shout out family family friends church someone you can talk to brilliant houses yes very key anyone else god yep wonderful and what would life have looked like or looked like without those safety nets finished yep Loneliness, brokenness, despair, absolutely, black, hmm? empty. empty, yeah, you're spot on. Probably won't be sitting here today, yep, absolutely, I, I can testify to that, yep, hopeless, tough. <laughs> I think, you know, it's good to think about these things, and a lot of people, kind of people that I work with and have worked with for many years, they experienced the second half of that question. What the church is great at, it's relationally rich. And that's how God designed life to be, for us to be in connection. So, next slide. Housing stories from my time working at the Wild Goose. Who's heard of the Wild Goose? Wonderful. So the Wild Goose is a drop-in in Eastern for homeless and vulnerable people. I worked there for about eight, nine years and left in May 21. Well, I actually left December 2020 and didn't go back because I was burnt out. Um, but loved my time there. But um, in the end, it, it, it was a bit much for me. And I just want to share a couple of stories from there. So my job was the engagement worker. So I'd sit down, have a cup of tea with people who are in active addiction or on the streets who just wanted someone to talk to. And so I heard a lot, a lot of stories. 
I'd say 90-95% of people's things that they struggled with were linked to housing. Poor housing, inadequate housing, noisy housing, or no housing. So I talk, to, talk about two guys. I've changed their names. So one guy, call him Dave. He lived in London, was married, had two kids and a dog. His marriage broke down and he left and came to Bristol. He had no job and he was housed sorry, he was housed in a so-called converted garage, so a kind of a house that a landlord had so-called converted and he was living in the garage. Um, I walked in one day to see how he was doing and straight away on my lungs I could feel the mould, I could feel the damp and I thought we've got to get this man out of here. And so we eventually got him a, him a place to, to live which was dry and um, no mould. But he um, developed cancer of the, I think the esophagus or lungs and he then sadly died six months later when he's moved into his, his new place. And I, I can't prove this, but I think quite a lot of his health conditions were linked to his poor housing of landlords who just want to make money. And his garage wasn't insulated and he was just left. But he was housed, tick. <laughs> um, and the other guy... He was housed, again, he was housed on the outskirts of Bristol in, in Hartcliffe. He had his own council place, but he was a very so sociable person. He was a bit of a drinker. He preferred to sleep on the streets in the centre of town with his friends than go back to an empty flat um, because he didn't know how to pay his bills. His bills would come from the desk box. He became overwhelmed and very stressed. He didn't know what to do and eventually he lost his tenancy and ended up back at the beginning of the housing pathway through the hostels and back to get your own flat. And so both those people were housed. They weren't, well, the second guy was in the streets, but, but they had somewhere to live. Um, and some housing in Bristol is great. Some of the, the housing that organisations and charities provide are great and some aren't. Um, and what I love about Hope Into Action is actually they, they just provide beautiful homes um, with support. So the guy who couldn't handle paying his bills, Hope Into Action, the Friendship and Support Group, myself, would support people when they're stressed, when they have to fill in a benefit form and they, or they don't know how to do things. So it's providing that support. Um, okay, next slide. Why I love Hope Into Action. It works. It really, really works. Um, I only found out about Hope Into Action probably two years ago. Um, and when I was working in the Wild Goose... I, I kept thinking to myself, gosh, if these people had the right housing, with the right support, with a community, with connection, with friendships, um, they would really thrive. 
Um, and I, didn't, I couldn't see how that could happen, but I knew the church needed to play a, a part, but I didn't know how that could work. And, and then I came across Open to Action, and I read Ed Walker's book called A House Built on Love. Brilliant book. Um, if you, um, you can go on their website and... Is it free, Cathy? We can, we can probably get some for free. Apps, I've read it twice. Absolutely brilliant. It, it talks about the great bits of Hope Interaction, but also the really hard bits. And I'm not going to paint this wonderful picture. It's all lovely and everyone does well and it's, no one gets evicted or no one relapses. It's hard. It's really hard. But it's also amazing at the same time. Um, so as a model, it works. Um, we've got some annual reviews over there. And it says something like 91% of people who offend when they come into a Hope Interaction house, so 91% of people don't re-offend. And that statistic is extremely high. I've never seen a statistic that high. Usually the revolving door of prison, homelessness, crime, it just keeps going. Um, it provides a stable place for people to move forward. So our houses are for a maximum of two years. So it enables people to kind of settle and to kind of start to dream, start to think about their goals, start to address some of the issues that they might be struggling with. Um, and when you have hope, that brings motivation for, for change, when you can see you've got a future. Um, and I love it because it's the church stepping up and getting the hands dirty, getting stuck in, and making a difference. Um, coming to church is great. We get encouraged, and we see each other, and we worship God, and that's wonderful. Um, but actually, God's heart is also, are we out there? Are we able to make a difference to people's lives? Are we sharing his heart? Um, and... Yeah, the church is relationally rich. Um, yeah, the church has so much to give. The church is brilliant at doing community and walking alongside people. Um, next slide. So, if you want to get involved, I know that New Life has been... Um, I spoke to Richard earlier... Um, this is something that you're thinking about, you're talking about as a church. Is this something that you want to do? I know Rosanne's kind of been talking about it as well. Um, there's many different ways you, you can get involved if you want to. Um, if you do start the journey, you can be part of the friendship and support team. Um, you could pray, pray for Hope to Action, the team, the tenants. If you have some money, in a savings pot somewhere, put aside, you think, actually, I might not need that for five years. I want to invest. I think the minimum is 5,000. The minimum is 5,000. There might be 10 of you thinking, oh, we've got some we could lump together, we could club together, and, and we could invest. Um, so that could be a way. And, or if you want to give a one-off donation or regular to Hope Interaction, that is an, another way. When I was just thinking about this talk, the thing that just kept coming to my mind was this verse. 
You will hear the cries of the oppressed and the orphans. Um, and I've got two stories here of one from a guy who's been in our house for five months. I've asked him to write a, a paragraph on the difference that Hope Interaction has made to his life. And I've also, I spoke to our next, um, we accepted a tenant on Thursday, he's going to move in in a couple of weeks, and he, I spoke to him on the phone, and he, I wrote down what he said. He wanted to come today, <laughs> he's not even in Hope Interaction House, but he wants to share the message because of how well he's been treated along along the journey. Um, so, and I, and I suppose my thought is there are people crying out to God. God hears their cries, but he also needs us as the church to be his hands and feet and to be a, a, a obedient to him and, and to provide. So that's, that's the challenge. Um, so this is from the guy who has been in our house for five months. This is what he wanted to share with you all. Um, Hope Into Action are an amazing organisation. I'm grateful every day for their help. I used to work in IT. I lost my job, my accommodation, and wound up on the street. I was sexually assaulted and incarcerated after I injured the attacker. The common factor in all these things was that I had, I had been brought low by alcohol. When I was homeless, I could not keep clean, warm, or even charge my phone. Further, I was attacked and had my nose and glasses broken and so kept hid, uh, hidden. Through a halfway house, I got a tenancy, but my neighbours were noisy, antisocial, and my, my mail would get stolen. They plotted to get me evicted and managed to do so. Hoping to action gave me a way out of madness. They provided me with accommodation in a beautiful house overlooking the sea. So our house in, the, in Porter's Head, the view is, is the sea. It's beautiful. Um, I have made some wonderful friendships with folk from the church which has helped me regain trust in others and trust in myself and my ability to socialize and get things done. I have been attending a life skills course and found that I'm a good cook. He's a brilliant cook. I gain great satisfaction by cooking delicious meals for my friends from the church. I'm beginning to restart my career with computer programming projects and I plan to learn to drive by the end of the year. And that guy was not in a good way um, when he came to us. And he's made incredible progress. And he's never really had any friends. So friendship, friendship with the Friendship and Support Group for him is absolutely key. Um, and this is the guy who isn't yet in a, in a Hope Into Action house. But um, I took him to see the house on Thursday and he walked into the bedroom and he burst into tears because, well, he'd been in a, in a bunk bed for 10 years. But that's, anyway, this is part of his, his story. I've been let down my whole life. I've been through the care system and in and out of prison. I haven't had anywhere I can call home. When I left prison 10 years ago, 
I was moved into a hostel where I have been ever since. It is noisy, lots of antisocial behavior, there's no cooker, people steal your food out of the fridge, it is a stressful place to live. When I met Esther and the people from the church, I knew I could trust them. I felt safe straight away. When I looked around the house last week for the first time, I was very emotional as it was so homely, clean and tidy. <laughs> there were no broken doors or windows and there was a cooker. In my bedroom, I have a wardrobe and a comfy bed. At the hostel, I've been sleeping in a bunk bed for 10 years. I sleep on the bottom bunk and my clothes are on the top bunk. Hope into action are amazing. They give people like me a chance, a new life, a normal life. The referral process takes a while as they want to have the right people in the house to make sure they get on together. They don't just stick anyone in the house. I've never seen this system before. It is great. Esther told me they have been praying for the right person to, for the house. I have been crying out for 45 years and I feel like I have been heard and listened to. I have been made to feel so welcome and safe. I can't believe it. It hasn't sunk in that I will be moving into a wonderful home. I am so happy. All I've wanted is a home and now I've got one. There should be more churches helping people like me, giving people a chance, a new life, a normal life. And when I spoke to him yesterday, because I was thinking about that verse, that God hears the cries of the poor. And he said, Esther, I've been crying out for 45 years. Um, and he feels like now he's been heard and he's been listened to. And when I, we have referral pathways where our referrals come from. This man did not come through those pathways. He came through a random conversation that Kathy had with someone else. And when I heard his story, I thought, that's the kind of person that God would bring to our attention. He's been sleeping in the hostel for 10 years. He hasn't reoffended in that time. I thought, if that man can stay clean and sober and out of trouble for 10 years while sleeping on a bunk bed in a chaotic hostel, um, he can come and live with us, as in come into one of our homes and that is just the kind of person that Jesus would go out of his way. He'd leave the 99. He'd go and find that one. He said, Esther, that's the one. And um, he's a beautiful, beautiful, kind-hearted, soft-hearted man. Um, considering what he's been through, he's wonderful. And, and I'm, <laughs> it sounds like he wants to share his story about hope interaction at some point. Um, and so, yeah, he'll be moving in maybe in, in, in a couple of weeks. Um, so the last slide. So the, the invitation, well, I hope I've given a kind of a flavour of what Hope Into Action is. I'm sure you have loads of questions about practically how does it work and boundaries, I'm sure. Um, so the invitation really is to help make a difference to someone's life. As I said, it's very challenging, but it's very life-giving. It's a journey of faith. So I've had my faith tested of like, we've had one tenant for five months. Lord, where, where are the people you want to house? And we've struggled with that. That's been a hard journey for us to have two empty rooms. Um, so in the process, it's not 
um, often the church goes, oh, we're up here, the poor are down here, how can we help the poor? No, that's not how God works. It's actually, how do we walk alongside someone? They help us, we help them, we learn about God through them, they learn about God through us. They encourage us, we encourage them. It's walking alongside um, and we're transformed in the process. And Hope Into Action's definition of success is church members out of their pews, all comfy red seats, striving to love and tenants receiving and feeling loved. And they also say, actually, even if a tenant relapses or gets evicted, if the tenant has felt loved and valued in the process, that is success. Often our our definition of success can be like, well, they need to be clean and get a job and do all these things. No, Jesus said, actually success is, do they feel loved and of worth and of value? We're not here to fix them. We're here to walk alongside and to do life um, together.